Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their passion. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, I actually have a great guest with me. He was our June speaker at our YBT luncheon uh, this year. His name is John Rothrock. He is the president of Yale Cleaners. And uh, when he spoke to our group a while back, he talked a lot about change, talked about being a multi-generational business, and he dabbled a little bit in social marketing. So we have a lot of topics that we can cover today. But uh, before we kind of dive into that, John, how are you doing? And uh, what have you been up to since we last heard from you? Uh, Well, Evan, first of all, I'd like to thank you for inviting me out to speak uh, on the podcast today. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, the last five minutes have been really action-packed for Yale. We've done a lot of big things. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, we recently rolled out our new iPhone and Android app on December the 1st. Uh, but more than that, all year we've had a culture of change. Um, our co- company goal this year was to improve quality at every store everywhere in the company. And we really had to do that with a couple of different things. We did that through employee training and definitely changing and improving our equipment. Um, and so we can talk more about that if you're interested. But um, it's been a really busy five months. Well, that's awesome. I love how you hit on the topic of change. That's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about today. And kind of when you listen to the history of EO Cleaners, when you when you talked back in June, you kind of talked about like almost like milestones that you crossed as you were progressing as a company and I mean, part of it the change happened right because you guys weren't or the the owners weren't taking a salary right so they were they were in a position where change pretty much needed to happen right well absolutely um we started i started my story actually i really started back at the beginning but the main change happened in 79 um, my grandfather and his brother-in-law barney bebout had purchased the company and run it together for about 20 years. And their business model was starting to become unsuccessful. There was things outside of their control in society that had changed, and they didn't react to that, and they were really struggling as a company. And, in fact, they hadn't taken a salary in a couple of years. So my uncle needed to retire, uh, my great-uncle, I guess, and my grandfather was looking for um, someone to partner with and really as a way out of the company, a way for him to retire as well. Uh, so he convinced my dad to join the company, quit chemical engineering, which was a big change, and come to work for the family business, um, his wife's family business, technically. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's kind of a unique twist there. And uh, they set about to change the company, and they did that through changing the business model. So what was what was the first change that they did? Was that going to a three day from a three day service to a three hour service? Oh no no no! Uh, the first change I would say was just. Uh, they had the idea of uh, they had read some company or not company, but industry documents. Um, my grandfather had read them in the 60s talking about 
the changing customer and what customer expects. And really, no dry cleaner anywhere had implemented many of those topics. I mean, there was a few here and there across the, com- uh, the country, but no one had really taken those ideas and tried to implement them. And my grandfather was a, a really smart guy. And he wanted to implement them. Um, and he was getting older. He didn't necessarily have all the ability or energy to physically uh, implement those changes. But when my dad came to work, those two teamed up together. And my dad was the change agent. He, had, he was young. He had uh, the mechanical ability to build and construct. And so the one piece of the time, like Johnny Cash said, they started changing the company. And it was literally one piece of the time. They'd go... They went to a store and they said, uh, instead of this just being a pick up, pick up and drop off location, let's make this a production plant. The entire, all the cleaning and everything is done on site here. And to do that, they went and took out walls and installed equipment and said, hey, okay, you're not just a drop off store manager, you're now a production manager. And they had to try to transform the company literally one store at a time that way. That's a big change when you're going in there. And, I mean, you're committed to it at that point if you're actually doing remodeling and those kinds of things. But uh, Buying equipment, uh, remodeling, yeah. absolutely. It, it, you know, it was not like we knew what we know now. Uh, my dad would literally spend all weekend remodeling a store. He'd go in there on close of business Friday and not come home till Monday morning. And he would literally work 72 hours straight remodeling uh, a location. Wow. And he'd install all the equipment. He Every guy he knew that knew how to use a, a set of pipe wrenches, he'd get their help, and they'd help him install the equipment. And they might use that store like that for a week and absolutely hate the layout and how they'd install the equipment. And the very next weekend, he would take it all the equipment out, sit it on the sidewalk, and remodel it again. He did that <laughs> week in and week out for years until oh – they built the secret sauce that made us great. Wow, I, I didn't realize that he actually would go through and, and change it. I was, I was going to say, obviously, if they're going in and making those those kinds of changes, the employees probably saw that and were like, hey, this is great, and just embrace that change right off the bat, right? No, absolutely not. No, life doesn't work that way. No, uh, when they started making all the we kind of changed incrementally as a company. So the first thing we did, the first major change is we changed from being a centralized company to a decentralized company. So in 1979, when my dad came to work, we had one central plant. It was a really big mega plant, if you will. It produced all the clothes for 22 drop stores or satellite locations. Um, And so one at a time, they would go and take one of those drop stores and make it a production plant. And uh, they started seeing the results on the very first one they did. Um, We actually, the reason why they got to that is they actually bought a company, a one location company. And um, that one location was making a lot more money than all of Yale combined. Oh, wow. And so they started analyzing what's the difference here. Well, the difference is it was a production plant. They could respond quickly to customers' needs and wants and desires or mistakes. And so that was the motivating factor to start the, the change of moving to a decentralized approach. Approach, And so big company, 22 stores, it, it takes a long time there. You don't just snap your fingers and get there overnight. And so they, one at a time, would pick off a store and make it a production plant. And they had dramatic results. Instead of doing 500 or or $1,000 a week in sales, it might quadruple the sales overnight. Uh, people would be standing out the door waiting in line to get their clothes done there. It wow. was really quite a dramatic change. Um, and I wish to say we knew everything right away and were perfect. My grandfather had ideas of how equipment should be installed and the plant layout and the systems. And my dad had ideas. And my grandpa always won back then. And, and sometimes it worked and most of the time it didn't. And so they remodeled the same store over and over again until they 
got it right. Wow. Well, so that was that was your grandfather and then your father, and so you're third generation, right? So, mm-hmm. so then your kind of first uh, ex- real hands-on experience with change was back in 2008. Was that your first project where you kind of said, "All right, we need to go to this next model"? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, I kind of I started out in drag cleaning, uh, cleaning one of our stores every day after school when I was probably around 14 years old. Um, the first change I probably ever did, uh, I would say, is back when I was um, in my teens. Um, we had we were in part of a big cost group, so it was dry cleaners and uh, laundry uh, industrial laundries uh, across the nation. There was probably ten companies, uh, and they were the who's who of dry cleaning. They had big multi million dollar companies, and so they got together and they shared trade secrets to make each other better. And so every two years, you had to host that. Uh, group of guys or that group of companies at your facility and they would critique you the good bad and ugly and so they were coming to us to critique us and we had a fairly new uniform rental uh, plant that we had built and it got starting to get dirty you know things just get dirty over time when you're dealing with clothes Um, there's just a lot of lint and stuff that that just gets created and so I went there to clean I literally went there to clean the big facility. It was probably 100,000 square feet of washers and presses and wow. hanging stations. And I just went there to clean. I spent two months, just a different corner of the building. I clean every single day. And um, I happened to move into the art room where they make the emblems for the uniform shirts. And they were doing it with cameras and silkscreen. Um, but the cameras were from like 1980. And this was <laughs> 1996-ish. So I mean, literally, there's one camera that was six foot long. And it would enlarge or shrink things. And so I learned how to do it. I, I learned how to develop film and enlarge and shrink artwork and make commercial graphics using cameras and uh, a sign graphic sign maker from 1981. And I said, there's got to be a better way. So I convinced my dad to spend what I thought was a lot of money at the time, uh, about $1,500, to buy some software and a computer. And yeah. we went to Corel Draw and... <laughs> I knew nothing about Corel Draw. I knew nothing really about commercial graphics. And uh, I changed that department, uh, and we switched from cameras to computers to make all of our commercial graphics. Um, and, you know, I just went in there and said, this is what we're going to do. And so every day after middle school, I, my brother would drop me off at that location, and I would do all the artwork for the company for the day. And uh, the next day, the lady that ran the art department would actually silkscreen them and make the emblems. And slowly over time, I actually taught her how to do the artwork. So that was that was my first opportunity to uh, make a mark or change something at Yale Cleaners. Well, that's awesome. And I love how you kind of teed up my question. My, my, my next question was going to be, how do you know when it's really time to change? And I, I think you might have encapsulated it with you, you realize to yourself there has, has to be a better way. Oh, absolutely. Something has to – it depends on what you're changing, honestly, to answer that question. Um, if it's you know a system in the uh, in the building and you see that it's not working or it could be better, you have to realize and say there's got to be a better way to do this. And so you look at the technology around you. Um, I knew computers. I, I didn't know them very well, but I knew that that was a new technology. And the computer or the cameras I was working with in ni- that were made in the 1980s, uh, you knew you had to be a, a better way of doing things. And so uh, you look at the external variables and see if you can apply those to your situation. Um, if it comes to customers and your product and your service, you need to listen to feedback. Uh, Yale's been always been a very receptive company to, you know, getting feedback from our customers. 
no one's perfect. No company is perfect. And, you know, when things go wrong, you have to be willing to respond. Uh, we responded to the customers in the 80s uh, when we found out that they really wanted same-day service. And we responded and changed our company to provide that. My parents, uh, my grandfather and my dad did that. Uh, moving fast forward to uh, today, um, customers were clamoring for online coupons. That was the, the feedback I was getting. You know, I'd be in the store working the counter, cashing out customers, and they'd be looking for a better way to get a discount. Mm -hmm. And at that time, phone books. Phone books were our solution. We gave all of our coupons primarily out through phone books. Well, phone books were dying in 2006, 7, 8, 9, and 10. I mean, they're still around, but who here really uses a phone book? They're so much tinier now. Uh, they are so much tinier. <laughs> They've got such a smaller footprint. Well, so you're at the counter, and you keep hearing customers complaining that they got to be a better way to get a discount. And so you start looking for a change. Well, I had been on Facebook since college when you had to have an, uh, a college email address to join. Uh, and then they slowly rolled it out, let high school students join. And then they decided, well, everyone should be able to be on Facebook, including businesses. And so I was pushing really hard to get Yelp cleaners to move in the direction of online marketing and digital marketing. And my dad was really, really reluctant. He'd always been a change agent for the company, but he was really reluctant. I was freshly out of college and still learning the business, um, and he was really focused on wanting to teach me the business. And he wanted me to learn the way we did it, how we did it, and why we were doing it, and not just start making changes for the sake of change. Um, so it's not that he didn't want me to change things. He just wanted me to learn how and why we were doing things before I started to change. Yeah. And so he let me whine and complain about online marketing and Facebook this and Facebook that, and he just ignored me. We go back to doing what we were doing. Well, finally, I wore him down, and I convinced him, let's try this. Now, we had had a really bad experience a few years previous doing uh, digital coupons before I graduated college, so that was part of his reluctance to change. Um, someone took our coupon uh, without our consent and published it online, <laughs> and uh, it was a very, very generous coupon. Well, my dad, he's always worn the white hat. That's our brand, and it's not just it's not just our brand. It's the way we run our business, so... People really thought that that was our coupon, and so he chose to honor it, uh, and there was no control over it. And so he honored that coupon until he could take it offline and get it offline. And it was just a really – put a really bad experience and a taste in his mouth from the first entry into online coupons and marketing. And so that was always his reason for why we couldn't do it, why we couldn't do it. Well, I kept wearing him down, and then I found a solution to, to his problem. We found a way to control the coupon. Um, our company's history had been we take coupons no matter what. If they have our logo on them, if they're expired or not, we're going to honor a printed coupon. And so the customer culture, uh, our customer's culture, they, they knew that we just took coupons. We took all coupons always. Um, and so I had to change that culture. And there were some growing pains in that. But we said, all right, if it's an online coupon, it will have an expiration date. Uh, it will have limited number of uses at times, and uh, we put it in our database. We linked it with barcodes, and we learned how to control that discount. And yes, I had some pushback at the counter. People were mad. Well, you've never honored an expiration date before, or why well, can only use this once? And we had some people that were really mad. Yeah. Um, but we had to learn and explain to them and re-educate customers. We're trying to progress and giving you new options for coupons and ways to get a discount, and. Previously, we were able to control those coupons and those discounts by how many we printed and how we distributed them to customers. They can only get so many through the phone book. Right. 
Uh, and if online, if you have a ream of paper, you can have 500 of those. <laughs> so when we started explaining them and they understood and they, and, and it didn't take long. It was actually fairly quickly within two or three months, we started getting almost no complaints about the expiring coupon and the limited number of use coupon. And people more and more started moving to those online coupons. My dad saw those results and it was amazing. Uh, we launched our Facebook page in January of 2010 with zero likes um, and we averaged roughly seven or 800 new likes per month, um, for the first two years we had Facebook. Wow. Um, and four, about four months into it, my dad, uh, and while it was small results, I mean, it was a drop in the bucket, uh, mm-hmm. how many people redeemed online coupons as compared to pr- redeem the printed coupon, uh, in, in the phone book or things. Um, but he saw, he was smart enough to recognize that, um, that was what customers were wanting and they, they wanted it so bad they were, they were moving there very quickly, quicker than he expected. So he taught me a life lesson there, a business lesson. He goes, if you want a big response, give a big offer. I said, well, he goes, if you want a big response, give a big offer. I said, okay, so what does that mean? So on Mother's Day, about five months into Facebook and online marketing, we gave all of our Facebook users a $10 gift certificate. No strings attached, just a $10 off cleaning. Uh-huh. Um, it was a gift certificate printed online. They could hit print as many times as they want. Now, they couldn't redeem it as many times as they want because <laughs> of our software. But um, we had roughly 4,000 Facebook followers at that time. And that's roughly $40,000 of free dry cleaning. Yeah, wow. Um, and he goes, you want a big response? Give a big offer. Well, he was right. We gave a big offer and the customers responded. They, they loved it. Um, we had a very big redemption. Rate. I don't remember it anymore how, how high the redemption rate was, but it was huge. We gained, I think, close to 1,000 or, or 1,200 new followers that month uh, alone, and it was well received. That was, I guess, if you will, the first aha moment. Wow, this, this is really a power, powerful tool for marketing our company. Um, it was that for me, and it was that for my dad. I think he was more surprised than I was, but um, that kind of put us off into a trajectory of trying to be an online company more than just a, uh, a traditional marketing company. Well, what I love about that is how the culture that you created was a culture that was receptive to change. Even though your dad had kind of a sour taste in his mouth from some of the stuff that had, ha- had happened in the past, he was still open to the idea of kind of bringing something back in because he saw where it was going. And even if, even if he didn't completely understand it, he was willing to kind of go back into it, try it again, and, and really just recognize that these things are coming and we do need to do things to allow us to change and, and, and evolve and move forward. And I just look at all of the change that you guys have gone through from the beginning of uh, when you were a company all the way to now where you've, you've now rolled out a mobile app. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, when you have a mobile app, that's a whole new set of things that you have to deal with there. Absolutely. Um, we rolled out our first uh, iPhone app in 2012. We were a fairly early adopter uh, to that technology. You know, I, I met a guy at a convention at TCC, Tulsa Community College. He was presenting, they were presenting an all-day seminar on, it was called The Art of Mobile. They had some very high ups from Apple themselves fly in from Silicon Valley to present. They had lots of local developers presenting and they really sold the value of being mobile, but they didn't just teach uh, and present apps, which is what they were trying to sell almost. They said mobile. You can need a mobile website or a mobile app, and you just have to have a specific 
business purpose of which way, why you do what, uh, whether you do a mobile app or uh, a mobile website. And I, it was what I was looking for. I mean, I'd had an iPhone for a couple of years and I said, man, we really have to move this direction. So my first motivating factor wasn't to make a customer app. It was to actually make an internal app for our counter staff. And in 2011, we actually did. Uh, we made a mobile point of sale, just like Apple has, um, where they have an iPhone with a credit card case around it, and they cash you out right there in front of you. You don't go to a, a kiosk to go cash out or a counter. They cash you out right there in person. Yeah. I said, wow, that's cool. We need that. I mean, our business is in the car. We go to customers' cars. Most of our customers stay in their car, and we hop them. We, we call it a car hop. We hop them. We're out there hopping and getting those customers. And how cool would it be to bring the transaction to the car and have more interaction, more time with the customer, and less inside on a computer? Yeah. And so our, our first motivating factor was to make an app to go out there and, and do that. And so it took us a while to find the technology. Apple's was proprietary, and they wouldn't share. I think a lot of times business people, uh, and whether they're in dry cleaning or not, they get bogged down in the fact of they're working in their business, not on their business. Exactly. And you have to take a step back and really work on your business. What can you do to make things better for your employees and your customers? You got to look at both sides. You can't just be customer focused because if it's not working for your employees, it's not going to work for your customers. Uh, so you really have to focus on those systems and, and jobs and make them a complete system to make it work for you. You have to have a specific design system and executed system for that everything to work right. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of my point. Is it's almost you're in the dry cleaning business. That's the widget, right? But really, right. you're in the service business. The service that you provide is ultimately clean clothes, but you're looking beyond that with every single, every single thing that you do is to make sure that those, that product ultimately gets back to the customer, how it's, how they, how they want it. And I think that also ties into the whole topic of change that we have is, you know, if you recognize that the, the product itself is not necessarily the clean clothes, the product is the convenience of providing that service for people then you're going to be more receptive to trying to find more ways to serve that customer. And I think, I think you've done that with, with the mobile app, with the, you know, having everything done on site, with the barcode computer systems. Everything that you've done in terms of change has not necessarily been a result of, you know, not always there has to be a better way. But in many cases, it's because you're trying to accurately serve your customer. Uh, I've always said for years that we're, we may be do, we may be a dry cleaner, but that's not our business. Our business is serving customers, and we just happen to serve them through dry cleaning, through restoring their garments. Um, and, yeah, we definitely take that approach. We're, we're looking for the best way we can serve a customer, whether that is when we started offering same-day service uh, in the 1980s or we started offering coupons in the 2000s. We're looking for a way to better serve and meet the customer's specific needs. Well, I appreciate you kind of diving into all that stuff with us and uh, want to go ahead and start kind of wrapping it up. But, you know, I appreciate you, you know, everything that you do in terms of uh, helping the community that you do, but also, you know, putting a priority on serving your customer. And, and so I want to thank you for being on on the podcast today. Is there anything that you want to leave our guys with uh, before we, we close this up? Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and uh, I would recommend the book Think Big and Act Small. It's by Jason Jennings. It's a really great big, and it, and it talks about the uh, having a really big dream. Don't act like a big company. You have unlimited resources. Dream big, and then 
act real small, be quick, responsive, and try to implement it as quickly as possible. Uh, It's served me well, and I know it could serve you well. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.